What the hell? Is that Walter White? Yes. <laughs> Rick's got a Walter White bobblehead. Is what the clicking <laughs> sound you're hearing. It's Don't Go Steve Austin. What? Where did you get a Dale James action figure? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Band, the real-life misadventures of Rick Dunsford and friends. We're finally here, Rick. Yeah, man. It feels good, too. Uh, today, as you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about the storage and locker incident and everything that led up to uh, Wichita, Kansas. I think that's Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> that, that is correct. Been a long night for, for your boy, Dusty Bones. We're actually taping a day late. And it's my fault because I didn't want to tape yesterday. <laughs> well, it was my fault starting off. I got occupied, but yeah. Yeah, and then I got to I got settled in. My my girlfriend's sister had a bachelorette party last night, so I had the house all to myself for a little while, and that's not a thing that occurs just too often for me. So I was yeah, like, I want to do. It. Yeah, I want to do all the things that I can't do. Sharing what sharing a house with a female, so I sat on the couch, <laughs> ate chips, completely broke my diabetic diet. Uh, I even snuck off. Don't tell her this because she probably don't listen to the show. I even snuck off and got myself something really controversial in this house: a double cheeseburger. Ooh, that sounds right. That sounds nice. I was I was a badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're already getting texts about it. There we uh, go. <laughs> but no, this week uh, we're going to talk about, we're going into part three of the saga of how Rick got banned. This is the final chapter, so if you haven't already, uh, go back and check out parts one and two. The first episode titled Team Brazil, the second episode titled The House of Blues Debacle, and also last week, Rick... Packed up his bags, and he moved his show over to the Guns and Radio feed. So wherever Guns and Radio is available, Rick's show is now also available. And uh, it looks like that was a pretty successful move, judging by the numbers. The numbers have more than quadrupled. So, have you heard any feedback or anything from last week's episode yet, or anything from what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, man, I've gotten, um, surprisingly, I've gotten a lot of questions about the, the Team Brazil episode. Uh, oh, really? You know, well, yeah, I guess a lot of people's already, you know, a lot of people already knew about, like, the House of Blues story. You know, it's just kind of refreshing memories here with that. But, like, a lot of people didn't know a lot of the stories involved in uh, TV or whatnot, you know? So, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, so it was kind of cool, you know what I mean? Just, uh, it wasn't all bad, you know what I mean? It was a lot of good stuff uh, before this yeah. story we're about to get into, you know? <laughs> It was paradise before we get into this story. Yeah. What kind of questions have you gotten about? Uh, you know, like, I know that, uh, you know, asking about, like, the, the asking, did the shirt really work to meet Axel, you know? Obviously, yeah. Uh, you know, asking about, uh, you know, just the different things, like, has Fernando done for me and all that, you know, which we talked about in detail in that episode. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess just kind of where, like, I think we're kind of taking care of, like, the... 
I don't know. They knew I was a big fan, you know, and they just, uh, you know, Nando took care of me uh, for the most part, you know. I mean, all the cool stuff I got, you know, <clears throat> over the years. So it well, really, it really sucks that. I mean, knowing all of that, the reason I wanted to start there in telling the story is because, you know, everybody has heard a lot of the House of Blues story. Everybody's heard a lot of the story we're going to talk today. There's going to be some things you're going to hear in this episode that you've never heard before. Uh, but the for the most part, the gist of the story, everybody knows the gist. Uh, we're going to just go into the detail. But to, to, to really understand the heartbreak of the situation, you have to know about the relationship there between Rick and Fernando. Hell, even me, I thought the kid was, I thought the cat was a cool cat. Like, and so now it's, we've arrived at the final part. So before we get started, I want to say a little something here. Um, I know that, uh, you know, when it comes to podcasts and getting premium content, sometimes, you know, as a listener, you might want to play it cool, uh, and do it your way, but you really don't want to be a fool and throw all away, throw away all of this extra content that you can get over at gunsandradio.com because signing up is not hard school at all. All you got to do is go over and... Log in, create yourself a Patreon account, and it's only $5 a month for tons of exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. And I promise you, we're here to stay, and if you've got any doubts, it doesn't matter anyway. Come over to GunsAndRadio.com, and you can get every episode of Band, The Real Life Misadventures of Rick Dunsford and Friends, the second we stop recording as well as every episode of Guns and Radio, GN Extra, and Shotcast Saturday, plus exclusive shows like Getting Dizzy With It that are not available anywhere else, <laughs> and video versions of the of everything is up there. So I like the hard school uh, thing going on right there, man. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I want to begin our story today as a GNR fan in. Let's say about 2003, a video surfaced of a 15-second clip that just simply said, all cautions made, every chance was given, no effort spared to save what we had. And it had the title Checkmate on it. And never again... Would we? Would anything else be found or heard of this song until now? So start out in 2003 with just that clip going, man, that sounds like an awesome song. I'd really love to hear that song. And then countless times over the decade, more than a decade, people claim to be releasing... Uh, the full version or more of it or something like that, and that always turns out to be a hoax. Yeah, well, I remember this song whenever it came out, you know, like, well, we didn't even know the title of the song until... until we were calling story. it Jackie Chan. Yep. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, you know what I mean? It was, uh, 
Well, obviously, those were not the titles for it. You know, and I, I, I had no idea it was going to be called Art School until like you know probably about a couple of weeks before I uh, bought the uh, bought the uh, tracks. No, we never heard the chorus. Yeah, never. So uh, then I believe the chorus leaked uh, almost immediately after these tracks were purchased. I don't know how they leaked, but they did. Well, uh, we're going to get into that, but uh, first off, we're going to start with saying, um, you know, we talked about the House of Blues debacle last week. It's, what, a year later now? Uh, the House of Blues? or Since the House of Blues debacle has gone on. Oh, that was in 2018. <clears throat> okay, so this is literally a year later then, right? Two uh, the how the the Miller sessions happened. Uh, it was a year ago in July. So it just when I was it happened ago, in twenty twenty. It happened in twenty twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's two years ago. My bad. Yeah. So yeah. So the House of Blues would have been right about three years. Okay, so so we're a year. We're fast forwarding our story now. A year from where we left off last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Okay, so Rick, you're uh, let's let's start the story now of, of of the storage lockers leading up to your getting banned. You're going about your day, I don't know, mowing the yard, doing a little weed eating, uh, whatever you do on a typical Tuesday, and you get um, a phone call out of the blue. Tell us about that phone call. So, um, as a friend of mine, uh, well, I met in 2016, his name was Jesse. Uh, he goes by his online persona as uh, Fear the Juggalo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a cool guy, man. He's a, uh, and he knows a lot of stuff, man, like a whole lot. But, um, so a mutual friend of ours reached out to me, asked if he could have my number, that he wanted to call and discuss something with me that he, he found. And, um, I'm like, all right, yeah, absolutely. So he gives me a call and proceeds to tell me that there was a CD that appeared on eBay. It was uh, Welcome to the Jungle, uh, Knock from Heaven's Door, uh, from the Villa Sessions. And it uh, stated it was with vocals. So I believe the Heaven's Door was. And that it was in 2001. So I knew that we didn't have a lot. I knew there was a lot of recording going on during that time. But we just didn't have anything from that period. Um so I, I went on to proceed to get the information of the seller. Uh, I know that I had Jesse contact him for me, and we're just trying to get him to talk, which, you know, he was talking to us, uh, telling us that he no longer has the tracks anymore, that they were sold, uh, that he sold the CDs to a uh, to someone in New York. Now, um, this is where the story gets kind of a uh, story would have, would have been, it was impossible to figure this out for a little bit, but I knew all the right parties involved in this, so that's what made it easier for me to figure out everybody playing in this. So, so um, you had a, you basically had a link to, to all the people involved. Yeah, somehow or another, because uh, you know, first off, you know, Jesse contacted me. He's he thought he was in touch with the original seller, and then uh, he happened to know the sell. He happened to know the buyer in New York, um, and then I had a. Another GNR user contact me uh, in regards to uh, you know saying that they they found someone that bought a bunch of uh, music that came from Zutat's locker. So well, let's talk about the locker. When did the storage locker go on sale? 
Do you know about roughly when that would have happened? I would probably assume probably about a month or two before uh, I got it. Uh, I got the CD. Uh, I got the tracks, but I'm not exactly 100% sure on that uh, because the purchaser of the locker, you know, I don't have any communications with him anymore to, you know, I know he did his own podcast, but uh, I, I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really listen to it, so I don't know what all he discussed in it uh, besides the, the – the shit fest he did on me, but yeah, he didn't keep his he he couldn't keep his story. I, 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 he since deleted it, but oh, I hate to hear that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it would just go to prove our point because, like, you know how when somebody's lying, they can't really keep their story straight. It's 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 kind of like that. Like there's he he contradicts himself a lot. But. Yeah, well, so. But you know what's funny though, like the guy he refused to sell me this stuff at first for the longest man, and uh, I had to like trick his ass to get him to agree to sell to me. <laughs> well, let's talk. Well, let's let's we'll get to that in just a minute. So, <clears throat> so the first couple that came up on eBay, this is from the Appetite for Destruction re-recordings that we yeah. knew existed, right? Well. Um, when you listen to those tracks, you know, uh, at first I assumed that they were from the Appetite Free Recordings, but it sounds like like it's just kind of like a, a rehearsal, maybe. I don't know, you know, like, it's just, I mean, it wasn't a, there was no vocals on Welcome, and uh, that was just strictly an instrumental, but uh, Knock on Heaven's Door, just, I don't know, man, it just, it was, a, it was an acoustic version, but I'm not sure the story behind the reason why that was recorded or not, but, uh, yeah. you know, but like, so, this user, this uh, gun, this uh, uh, forum user reached out to me. and was telling me about this, uh, about someone that bought the CDs in New York, and I knew that had to be the same guy that Robert uh, was talking about, uh, the eBay seller. Okay. Um, so, you know, I was able to, uh, I was able to get the information, all the information from the, from the new, from the guy in New York who was an attorney, and um, I attempted to reach out to him multiple times over the course of a month uh i kept messaging him trying to you know i uh, offered him a ridiculous amount of money because i was wanting to uh i would have rather purchase from him so he could have got his money back you know at least some yeah. of it instead of the robert just keep double dipping you know <laughs> making all this extra money off of the gnr but uh but you know uh the original purchaser in new york didn't want to talk to me uh just ignored me so uh you know, it just seemed like all hope was lost with uh, trying to get this stuff. And uh, so I started to kind of uh, play, uh, I, saw, I started playing Robert a little bit. And um, I contacted him and told him. So you him, did do some shady shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, if, uh, if it's to, I mean, I just told a little fib to Robert. <laughs> I told okay. him that, because uh, uh, he didn't know that I knew who uh, was the purchaser. He didn't know I knew any, anything about the New York guy, you know, other than he just sold to someone in New York. That's all he knew. So yeah. uh, when I came up to him, I said, hey, uh, the guy that you sold to, and I dropped his name to him. And then I tried to make, I told him, I said, well, yeah, he's trading the tracks to other people, you know, or, uh, you know, this stuff is being shared to others or being sold to others, you know, like, I don't know how everyone else is getting it, but it's being traded or sold. Well, that's what made Robert mad. And he started saying that, well, he promised me that he would not uh, sell these or trade these. You know, uh, he made a promise to me. He gave me his word. And then I was, oh, bro, he, yeah, he just got it. Someone else just got the tracks from him. So that's what Robert was like, all right, uh, I'll sell them to you for uh, X amount of money, you know. 
just come this weekend, you know? So, uh, how much that's money how I, was it? It was 15000 $15,000 for some goddamn songs. Hey, bro. It is what it is, man. I, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to hear these. This is like, uh, this is like the prime peak for me right here, you know, 2001. I could have asked for anything better right here, you know, this is what I was wanting. Uh, but, okay. You know, 15000 is a lot of money for, uh, you know, just for some one person to put in, you know. So, obviously, I did, you know, I had a group of funding deal go on. Same um, as last time, right? The, you were, we, we talked about that also with uh, the House of Blues, where you would get investors to kind of come along with you and everybody would buy it together. And Yeah, and then, see, well, you know, you had other uh, collectors and all that that was going to, I was gonna buy uh, the original CDs from a uh, guy in New York, you know. Um, I don't know, man. It's just like there's just so many people involved in this story, you know. So it's just it gets kind of confusing uh, trying to explain a little bit. But you know, uh, that this getting this stuff was very time sensitive uh, because I had Robert just finally agreed to sell. Now, um, now that I have uh, we have agreed upon price, which is fifteen thousand. You know, I was working. To, get a bunch of parties involved, you know, so we can come up with the money for this because it was like I only had a few days to get it. Uh, How many days did you have? <clears throat> see, I believe it was two to three days, maybe, somewhere around that. Okay. Uh, yeah, because Robert, uh, you know, we did a, once I had him agree to sell, you know, we started texting and then he started sending me all the pictures of the CDs. Uh, and that's why, you know, at this point, you know, I didn't know what all was on this stuff, you know, like I knew Atlas was in there. But uh, I didn't know how yeah. much more stuff. I didn't know how much more stuff we were going to get, and uh, you know. And then I, I spent a lot of time talking to Jesse during this, and uh, you know, he was telling me all about like uh, he told me that the uh, that the Jackie Chan or Checkmate song was actually called Hard School, uh, and he was telling me this before either of us even had this music, and uh, oh, wow. and then I remember him telling me that. Uh, there's a reason why a lot of this stuff wasn't released because it's just, it's awful, you know? And, uh, and then he started talking about the, he started talking about this one track where he, uh, actually talking about being your Mac daddy. Uh, dude, I'm like, I'm thinking like, all right, this has, there's no way that this could be real. Like mom would actually have a track about who's your Mac daddy. Yeah. This sounds uh, made up. But the thing is, but the person who was telling me this was Jesse and I knew that it had to be real. So, uh, you know, even oh, wow. before I, even before I purchased this stuff, man, like uh, I remember there was a topic on the, the on uh, one of the GNR sites that were uh, I was talking about uh, uh, the worst, uh, which, what's the worst GNR lyric or something like that. And I remember commenting on it. Uh, I know you think you're bad, but who's your Mac Daddy or something along those lines? And this, I, I still didn't even know what the name of the song was, but I just went with what he told me. And then uh, once I finally got the music, you know. Uh, I found that track and I'm like, dude, he wasn't kidding. This is a, this is a real song here, you know, like <laughs> I own you. But uh, um, well, so let's, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, so, let's so let's go back. Like once we agreed, I, I was going to go out there on a Saturday to meet up with Robert, uh, and it took uh, it took about fourteen day uh, fourteen hours to get there. But uh, you know, so I had uh, I had all the money raised out, all the people involved that was contributing, and uh, so. I drove up to uh, Virginia, and we met at a uh, Pandora Bread. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, we When did you contact Fernando? Because I know that you contacted Fernando and you told him, like, hey, man, this thing is going down. You might want to get a, you know, get off your ass and... Well, uh, so all, a lot of my communication with Fernando, uh, you know, we we talked a lot through uh, we talk a lot through email and and through Instagram. Um, but you know, like a year prior, I did warn him about the House of Blues. Um, he chose not to act on it, and we saw what happened with that. Um, mm-hmm. So ten days prior, so to surely he's going to act this time. Yeah, like so ten days prior to purchasing this. Um, keep in mind, I couldn't get anyone to agree to sell. Um, and I know that there was other collectors trying to get this material just to hoard or whatnot, you know. So I knew that this was the only chance that we were going to have to get this. Um, oh, yeah. And then when all hope seemed lost, you know, I just, you know, uh, I kind of messaged Fernando and let him know that uh, I gave him everything he needed to know about the situation, everything he could possibly need. Uh, and I believe I sent you the screenshot of that too, but it was just yeah, explaining. You did. Uh, <clears throat> and he playing. replied to it though, like he no no, no he didn't he, he didn't reply to that one he uh he just he chose to ignore that one uh he replied to the House of Blues but he didn't reply to this oh and, okay uh, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of then yeah so uh anyway uh you know so he was contacted uh and I did inform him all parties and everything uh you know again he he didn't reply or act on it uh, and once I got Robert to agree to sell uh. Everything was kind of done. All the wheels were set in motion. Uh, I made my way to uh, Virginia, and I did meet with Robert to find this stuff. Now, uh, after this, my sister lives in Virginia, so I just went immediately to her place to just kind of hang out, rest, you know, because I was going on no sleep. Uh, and then uh, I, the next morning when I woke up, uh, my, I got a message from my wife that Fernando emailed her trying to get in touch with me. So at this point, I'm just, I'm really confused. Like, how in hell does he have my wife's email? Why couldn't he have just reached out to me? Like, how did, how does she got, how does she get brought into this? You know, like, what's going on <laughs> yeah. here? Like, so, um, I woke how up. How did he just, have your wife's fucking email? Dude, I woke up, dude, I was like so confused about what was going on. I'm like, all right, uh, so let me just figure this out. But what it was, uh, uh. I don't uh, even have your wife's fucking email. <laughs> Well, uh, when I said earlier that uh, we had contributors and all that, uh, we uh, I've always just used my wife's PayPal, uh, her PayPal. Uh. And so it was someone who, uh, I guess it was someone who uh, was part of it that uh, kind of told him that this is where the tracks were coming from. Uh, because when I got the stuff, uh, I immediately uh, shared a, uh, I shared a cell phone video where everybody could that contributed it's like a one minute cell phone video of Atlas. Uh, I still got the original files, but uh, and it's so someone I sent the video to took the audio out of it, and then that's how we got the first one minute leak of Atlas. Um, the hard school, okay, so that was a fu- that was the first fuck up then, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it didn't bother me either way, you know what I mean? Like, I could care less if the leak or not, yeah, but, but you know, kind of had you not done that, do you think things would have? escalated as quickly as they did. Well, I know it could have been a lot of things done differently, a whole lot of things done differently, but, uh, you know, like, uh, if Atlas at our school didn't leak, you know, it'll probably be a different story right now, but it is what it is, but, um, 
I'm just curious of, of that. Yeah, so, well, hard school, um, I took that and I just, uh, I made like a, uh, I don't know, like a 20-second clip. Uh, and it was just a course. Uh, and then I said that to everybody that was part of this group as well. Uh, and then, again, that song leaked with them. That, uh, that clip ended up leaking within minutes. So that is why Fernando reached out because he's trying to figure out where these leaks are coming from. And at this time, I guess he's just learning about Zutat's locker. And, uh, you know, this cat, this attorney in New York that purchased the CDs. And then he's just yeah. learning about Robert Bird, who's selling, who's selling copies of this. Because what I bought, I didn't buy the original stuff at all. I bought a uh, USB drive that uh, Robert made. And uh, he made digital copies of this, of this music. And then he sold it to me. He sold me that thumb drive for uh, 15 grand. So, what are the legalities involved in that? Like, the the storage lockers, the songs had never been released. Never. Uh he had, you know, there was a, some of these tracks, uh, how do I say this? May, these, these songs were never coming out. Let's just, yeah, a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these songs weren't coming out. Uh, a lot of this was, uh, for the 2000 attentions, <clears throat> like, obviously this album was ready to be released in uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because some of these tracks sound better than the album version. Yeah, they sound way better. Uh, not overproduced, and then there's a lot of good stuff on it that just was <clears> never released. Uh, some incredible work by Axelman. Aesthetic Race, the, the vocal yeah. on it was awesome. But you know, our school is probably like the coolest track for me. But um, so, so you know, Fernando this, was. It. Go ahead. <clears throat> this is what I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, in 2008. Was there not some sort of disaster? Like, wasn't there like... I remember reading something about uh, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, even maybe Def Leppard and shit. Like, a lot of their music was lost in a fire at Universal. Is this maybe not part of that? You know what? Uh, I'm not 100% sure it could be... Uh... You know, like uh, they, uh, the band never said anything to me about this. Um, so, like, uh, the, the reason I ask is is because this work, if that were the case, I don't know if that is or, or if it's not, but if that were the case, then this work would have been lost forever had this shit not went down. And. Oh, yeah. These CDs in the storage locker, if this storage locker, if these CDs were sitting next to a window in a fucking tool shed somewhere and they got a little hot and melted, none of these tracks would have ever existed again if this was the only copy. And just like the House of Blues, how there was one tape, like... I'm putting. I'm. 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 I may be connecting two things that are in no way related. I don't know, but I. I, I don't know. It would seem kind of. I'm going to tell myself that that's the situation because I like the idea that this saved some music that would have been lost otherwise. Just like with the House of Blues, that debacle. Uh, the good thing that came out of it is it saved a show that 
would have been lost forever otherwise. It was almost lost forever. You know, I don't think that this stuff would have ever been released uh, until, you know, until the band was uh, long gone. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just pure speculation, though. Uh, you know, but but looking at GNR's history, uh, they're not known for just releasing a lot of stuff. So uh, I would assume that this would have just never seen a light of day if uh, this ha- hadn't have happened. But, uh, you know, but I'm glad it did. So, but, you know, that, uh, you know, with this stuff right here, though, like, well, I started driving back home that, uh, that morning after purchasing it. And then that's whenever, uh, you know, that's whenever I started communication with Fernando in regards to this whole, uh, to everything. Uh, and I remember my whole drive home, dude, like, I was on the phone the entire time. Like the entire fourteen hours drive, the fourteen hour drive back home, I was on this on the phone the entire time. Whether it was uh, different people from other podcasts, it was a uh, just different, uh, just different news sites, or just different people wanting to know about the stuff. You know, like I was on the phone the whole time, <laughs> and like people were calling, I was letting them hear the tracks. You know, um, and it wasn't until I got home, it was that uh, the next day, you know, that uh, I got my first phone call uh, from uh, Fernando about uh about this mess um what did he say so he was uh convinced that it was the attorney out in uh new york that was causing all these problems and i had to tell him you know actually the attorney in new york is the one that's actually not doing anything wrong at all he is just uh he wanted to sell it he wanted to come off of it uh and then i had to uh, direct our attentions right back to uh Robert Bird, um, you know, which was the one making, actually making copies of it and selling it, which I had it up, you know, so Fernando wanted all my text communications with him. He instructed me not to speak with this guy no more. Uh, keep far distance from him. He wanted all of his, he wanted the PayPal transactions with him, which there wasn't any. I explained to him it was a cash deal only. So I gave him every text and every email communication, every picture that he sent. Um, What's funny was those pictures of the CDs. Once you open up the file, it actually has the GPS coordinates uh, embedded in the picture. You know where from his huh. apartment. So I mean, it will take you right to his house. You know, or uh, wow. But uh, you know, so it was enough. It was enough. Everything I gave him, you know, was enough to prove that yeah, Robert was selling. He made copies of the stuff. And he was still selling it. So you know, it's kind of uh, helping with that. Um, and then so, I had to. So you not only gave him the name of who was doing it, basically led him right to their fucking doorstep, mm-hmm. and yet somehow you still get blamed. But let's continue and figure out how that happens. Okay, so you know when when I was speaking to Fernando about it, uh, the first time we spoke was just strictly just me and him. Um, and then I was explaining to him that how the money was raised that it was a it was a group funded deal. I had a, a bunch of people come on and we all just raised the money between this group. And then I was the one that just went to go get the deal and make it happen. So uh, I told him the situation I'm in now was these tracks are about to be sent to everybody because everybody, those who contributed, you know, they, they bought these tracks. So it's theirs. Um, then he kept instructing me not to. And I told him, I'm like, well, if there's $15,000 on the line here, I've got to, you know, I'm not yeah. going to eat this, you know? Yeah. And so Fernando uh, told me that, that the band will take care of that. Uh, just, just, uh, 
just to sit still on a track for just a little bit. So uh, now, by sit still just a little bit, here's where I started paying attention to this situation. <laughs> I log in. I'm. I haven't been on my. I'm going to talk from my perspective while you're doing this. I haven't been on my GNR forum or any Guns and Roses. This is before I even started Guns and Radio, and I'm sitting at home. I, I know I was watching GNR that day on YouTube, and then I was like, you know what, let's just see what's going on in the community. So I log in, and all of a sudden I'm seeing, let's kill Rick Dunsford, let's kidnap his children, and fucking, and I'm going, what the fuck is gone? And this was like painted on every fucking forum. That what's he done now? I was like, what the fuck happened? Because I haven't spoken to you in a long time. This is like the tail end of the dark ages there, of the of the wilderness years for us. And uh, and and I'm like, what the fuck? Because I still love your family and you guys and to you know. And I'm like, what? Who's there? So I sent you a message, and I don't think you ever saw it, but I did see oh, you a did message. You... In... Oh no, yeah. was it Instagram or uh, no, oh, it was I had no idea. <clears throat> it was Facebook, and I said, dude, what the fuck is going on with you, man? Like, I was like, I'm seeing some scary shit, man. I hope these people don't know where the fuck you live. Like, I hope everybody's okay. And I, and, and that was, and then I was like, and so the more I read into it, the more I figured out what was going on. And honestly, it really disgusted me. And that was the first time I was ashamed to be a part of this fandom. Yeah, dude, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's a very passionate fan base. And, uh, you know, I kind of look at it like, you know, people are willing to, are willing to do whatever they can to get new music because uh, this band's not giving it to us. So, I mean, and I did some pretty extreme things to get this music as well, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I, no, I wouldn't threaten anybody's, uh, I wouldn't make a threat to anybody or anything like that. But Or their children. You know, like, but I did, uh, you know, hmm. but I... You know, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell any, I'll tell them whatever they need to hear. You know, I mean, take them to agree to sell the stuff, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a, uh, you know, like so at that point, you know, like where I just sit, just sit on it and just be quiet for a little bit. It was about an hour later, dude. Uh, I get a phone call back. Because uh, Fernando sent me an email that says, "Hey, me and uh, Doug Mark can't stand that dude." Uh, he said that they're about to call me back. Um, and then uh, I'm like, okay, so I get to a quiet place. They give they give me a call, so I had to explain the whole story again. But there's a there's an important detail to this story that uh, I guess Fernando chose to ignore. Um, and I told him that, and this is the reason why he called me because he didn't want the lease to happen. But I told him that you know everybody contributed. You know, there's uh, there's like a hundred tracks that I got to send everybody, but I've only sent them two tracks, and that was Hard School. And uh, Atlas, again, I was uh, I was being honest with them. I told them these tracks were shared uh, with uh, the investors. Um, you know, it wasn't hot enough from them there. So I mean, it was just uh, being upfront and honest about it. And I told them I can't control what's going to happen with these two songs, you know. But I will do everything I can to prevent it, and I will try to keep everybody this not to share, it, you know. So him and the attorney, I told them that twice. They both knew this, and they asked that they'll just need the names uh, at some point. I'm like, okay, whenever. You- 
when it just let me know when you guys need whatever and I'll, I'll give you guys whatever you need you know i'll cooperate with them every way possible um so that's where you start seeing all this bad stuff written about me online because i just went completely quiet i got a quick question <clears throat> now that it's over had they given you the money and they said okay here's all the money pay off all your investors and make this thing go away would you keep a copy for yourself? Uh, keep a copy of the music? Yeah. Oh, of course, bro. Because <laughs> I sure as fucking hell would. I would. Uh, who's going to destroy it, man? For real, man. Like, <laughs> and, yeah, man. Like, there's a. You know, I mean, I'll tell you, man. There was a lot that went into getting this, dude. Like, I mean, it was a lot of the investigation work, dude. A lot of. Uh, yeah, I had to talk to a lot of people to make this happen, man. It was, it was really, it wasn't just like this dude agreed to sell it and all this stuff. You know, like I literally had to like, you had to convince him. Yeah, I had to force this dude to sell it to me, man. Like, uh, I had to make him realize, dude, you're missing out on all this money because this other guy's selling these tracks that you bought, you know, and like, and it was just eating him up. <laughs> yeah, I'm was, just gonna go to him. And dude, so like, uh, and the, what's funny was. This New York guy, was, this attorney wasn't even selling anything, dude. He wasn't even trading any. Uh, I think he just sent like a three-second clip of Atlas to uh, one user. And I and I got – and that was the same user that was giving me all this information about him. He gave huh. me his number, his email. And uh, uh, and, and here's another thing too. Like uh, whatever – I went public with this whole thing uh, on my GNR for the first time. I, uh, I went public before I even went down there to buy it. And the reason why I went public with it because – Nobody was agreeing to sell. Everybody was just nothing was going to happen with it. So I was just going to put some pressure on uh, on this uh, New York the guy who bought the CDs and the guy who was originally selling the CDs. I was trying to put, apply some pressure on them, you know, out them publicly, you know, like this user right here has a uh, did buy these tracks, um, and so I mean I hate I had to go that route with it, you know, but if I didn't do what I did, man, we went, you know, we yeah. we wouldn't have gotten these tracks. So I had to like kind of play. Uh, I had to play these guys against each other, and uh, you know, but Robert he was so hungry for this that uh, you know, fifteen thousand dollars, man, just to make a copy, easy yeah. money, right? And then when you think you're getting, when you're getting it all in cash, and there's not gonna be no digital trace, you know. But thing was, the dude left so much digital trace behind, you know, with the text messages. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, but yeah, like at that time, everything went quiet from my end. Uh, I stopped talking. I just, yeah, I just, I did, I did as uh, Team Brazil asked me to. Just stay quiet. Don't talk to anyone. Um, and after, after I got the money, the money back from uh, the GNR camp, I refunded. Uh, I sent the refunds back, and then the next day after the refunds cleared, Hard School leaked online. Like the very next day, Hard School leaked online. Oh. Wow. Um, did anybody tell you they were going to leak it, or no. did, did anybody? Do you have any indication as to which of the investors it might have been? Oh yeah, I know, but I'm just not going to give. Uh, You're not going to call them out. I'm not going to give uh, anyone any kind of recognition on any of this on any platform that I'm on. You know, so I'm okay. just prefer, prefer to leave certain parties quiet. Uh, but you know, okay. I, I have my idea of where some of the leaks came from. Um, you know, and again, it's just, um, you know, what, none of this would happen if this, I would have just held off on just, uh, sending these tracks, you know, until, 
Uh, it's all good though. Uh, so can I you know, can I can I interject at where I was now? Yeah. Since since we haven't we haven't really talked about this again, wilderness years. Uh, so I'm at home. I have an MP3 sent to me from a friend of mine. Is like, dude, check this shit out. It's a new. It's that GNR song. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll bite. So I downloaded it. And, uh, you know, it starts out with that long guitar riff. Yeah. And I'm like, because, see, I, I was thinking, and then it goes, uh, the guitar, when it went, bam, bam, on now, I recognized the melody. And I was like, no fucking way. Because, like, you know, we've been here before. We've been tricked a couple of times, like, thinking, okay, this is the song. And then it'll just loop or something like that and be the same shit all over again. Or it'll be some fake horse shit altogether. So I'm thinking somebody's fucking with me. So it goes, oh, caution, and all the shit we're familiar with. And uh, I'm like, okay, get to it. And then when it said, all in good faith, I went. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> it was, like, I'm half-ass listening to it up to the point we get to all in good faith. And then I'm like, Scooby-Doo, whoa, I would not. And then as it come on, and I was like, no fucking way. And then the course hit by the time I'm still processing. So I had to stop the track and go, holy fucking shit. And I rewound it to the beginning where I was, because of how doubtful I was. And I had to listen to all of that part all over again. Because I was only half-assed listening to it, thinking it was horse shit. All right. Well, dude, like, right there, man, whenever I... Because I already knew the name of the song from Jesse before uh, I got it. So uh, I remember right when I got the... Uh, whenever I got this thumb drive, and I got to my sister, dude, I immediately plugged into the computer, and I was looking for the song Hard School, because that's the one I wanted to hear first. I already heard Atlas, because he burned it on a CD for me, all the yeah. vocal tracks. So Atlas was, like, the first track on there, and... Uh, you know, so that's how that was my first. That was the first track I heard, and then I got made it to my sisters, and I put the thumb drive in, and I looked for hard school because that's the one I wanted to hear first. You know, was Atlas Shrug worth all of the build up to you? I, it's different, dude, but I mean, it's it's better than some tracks on Chinese. You know, I think it would have. Uh, you know, it's better than some of the tracks, but it's not like it's not an outstanding track. I mean, uh, I thought hard school was a way better track. If I had to trade prostitute for Atlas Shrugged, I would not make that trade. No, I wouldn't either. No, a prostitute's a way better track. But I would have traded a scrape or something like that, you know. Or speaking of scraped, we're uh, checking that out on Guns and Radio this week. So, oh hell yeah, <laughs> it, uh, I've got to hear that one live too. But nice, yeah, uh, that was probably my least favorite song on the album. Honestly, yeah, mine too. but uh, you know what was cool about these tracks though, like. Uh, that Brian May track, perhaps. Uh, I knew that that, because uh, Jesse Ian told me that that was the third Brian May track, because I know he did three tracks with him. And uh, and I, when I saw that on a CD, you know, and then there was the actual disc uh, for that CD said Brian May on it. You know, so I was I was real excited to hear that one, because I never knew that track even existed. I didn't know this was going to be a part of it. But so, I mean, there was like, I mean, it was just a lot of great stuff here. But what format uh, were these in? Were they in Wave, uh, MP3? MP3, dude. They were like a low grade MP3. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, he just, like I say, he just stuck in his computer, make digital backups of this. Um, okay. You know what was funny, though? Because, like, 
whenever Jane Arthur started reaching out to Robert, Robert, he was, his story was that this thumb drop was already in the, was already in the, the <laughs> locker. He didn't make copies. The CD was already in the locker. He didn't make copies. And then you get a text that's from, Hey, I made you, I made that copy for you of the, of the thumb drive and I made you a CD. With okay. So they reach time. out to him. He, he's lying obviously, yeah. because now you have, they've sent you, you've sent them the text message where he says like he's made copies of this. Yeah. Yeah, and then he uh, he was also bragging about selling to uh, another uh, son to someone in Texas. Um, but whenever I met with Robert, dude, he was also talking about how he just met up. He was just with Zutat, uh, Tom Zutat recently, and that he's going to have a lot more to sell. And then he was talking about this hard drive. Uh, this he was talking about this mysterious hard drive that had a whole lot more stuff on it. Uh, again, I thought he was just trying to get more money out of me, but. Uh, you know, there, but there was a little bit of truth to that, you know, with the hard drive, but he didn't have it. Um, you know, there so was the a hard drive, but he didn't have it. Yeah, uh, that hard drive is still in uh, Zutat's possession, according to him. But, um, you know, so Robert, well, he was trying to definitely, it was sound like to me that he was working with someone to get Zutat stuff, if not Zutat directly. I'm not saying that's what was happening, but he definitely has someone that was connected to get, was able to get their hands on more of this material. So he didn't just blindly go in and buy this locker and by dumb luck get thrown into this. According or do you know? To, well, I know there was a I know there was at least two lockers. Now, one of these lockers, uh, I believe a lady named Nina bought cuz uh she sold to a couple people that I know. Uh but it was mostly like uh, uh like appetite rehearsal cassettes or uh or it was like uh Usual illusions outtakes, you know, just uh, that tapes, you know, because one locker had all the old GNR stuff in it, but then another locker had all the stuff when Zutat came back in, uh, in 2001 to work on the album, you know. So, okay. Um, so, uh, like Robert was describing, it was he was doing this auction and then he saw this locker and he saw some gold records, and that's what made him decide to get that locker. After he purchased that locker, uh, he says Zutat reached out to him. Uh, was wanting to get a couple sentimental stuff back. Uh, he didn't ask for the music back. He was just, I guess, wanting some awards or whatnot. Well, that's uh, understandable because that's you know important to him. Yes. Yeah. Now, so uh, now, so while we're talking about this part right here, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit just to kind of explain what happened to the locker and why the locker was auctioned off. And these okay. were, and this was Zutas' exact uh, words uh, when I was spoke with him that um, that a card that he had on file apparently expired, you know, or he got a new one, but the storage company never notified him that his, uh, that his, that his method of payment had, ex- had expired. Oh. So that locker got behind by a hundred dollars when it was auctioned off. Uh, Zutop was never contacted by the storage facility. So according to Zutop that this, uh, universal is actually was going after this storage facility, blaming them for this, uh, for everything right now. But well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mean... So that's, uh, that was Zutop's story. See, uh, you know, that little detail has never come out anywhere. And all of this time, even on Guns and Radio, we blame Tom Zutat for this whole thing. And it turns out, well, it's not his fault either. No, Zutat, uh, Zutat definitely blames uh, Robert Bird for it. And he has explained that Bird made over 100 grand off of this locker. And, I mean, I can see it. You know, he was definitely selling a lot of stuff on eBay. Uh, he had a bunch of uh, he had a bunch of unreleased music from other bands like uh, Tesla. Uh, and Robert was telling me when he put uh, when he put uh, 
a listing for like some kind of unreleased Tesla music that it that they were worse than GNR about uh, getting this music back. Well, like, really, Tesla was. They should just be grateful anyone was still listening to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> There's some people that like them, you know what I mean. But uh, I wouldn't think that they would be freaking out like GNR would freak out with this music, you know, because they haven't really yeah. done much. But who would freak out any fucking way? It's been sitting in a goddamn locker for what twenty years, and you ain't fucking touched the shit. You're not gonna do anything with it. Stop acting like th- that you lost something. You didn't lose anything. Fuck you. You did. You you didn't well, see, lose uh, anything. So you know, like, so I'm going back to this phone call with me and Fernando now. Like, uh, when I explained to him how much I paid for it, Fernando was making comments like, "I wish you, I, I wish you just would have waited a little bit longer." That, uh, and he was explaining how Axel just got done film, just got done a recording in this, laying down some tracks in the studio the night prior to that. That he just finished all his recording, which I mean, that damn COVID messed it up apparently. But yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so, you know, he was, uh, he was telling me about that, you know, which is kind of cool to hear. You no, know, uh, and I do know that they were in the studio because, uh, again, I go back to my other source, Jesse. Uh, he had a friend that worked at the studio that they were recording in, and he sent me their equipment being loading into the studio, which is, you know, was a, you know, which I, I knew that that would have been true, you know. Um, so now we're going to where hard school leaked. And there's like, a, you know, just more tracks started leaking online, but it was nothing damning. Hardscore was the only damning track that really leaked. Everything else was just demos of Chinese songs, you know? Yeah, uh, instrumentals mostly of songs we already had. Because that's all we want, bro. We just need the instrumentals. That's all we need. But <laughs> no, uh, so we got to, uh, so I get like this, uh, so when Hardscore leaked, um, I get like this, uh, email from fernando saying uh why aren't you leaking rick <laughs> i thought we had a deal why would you turn your back on the band like that and i'm thinking like is he just accusing me of this or is he asking me did i do it or like i believe he's just accusing me man like so i had uh, i told him that i'm not leaking anything in fact i've been uh you know i've been taking all this shit from uh online for uh for weeks now uh, trying to prevent this stuff from leaking. Um, and then I get a phone call from a, uh, from actually Universal's attorneys saying that, uh, that Fernando just, uh, saying that Fernando saying that, uh, I wasn't truthful with him about the songs being shared, uh, in particular hard school. And that, uh, they felt that they were defrauded or, uh, I don't know. What but you have from. evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have evidence to the contrary right there. Um, and so, you know, I was truthful with you my You still stuff. have all these text messages, all these emails and everything, right? Dude, I got, yeah, I've still got all the original House of Blues stuff, dude. So, like, I, okay. I, I, save, I save all of it. I've got, like, a hard drive full of this mess, dude. Well, I'm just thinking if you ever have to walk into a courtroom with this shit, you're going to want to be able to lay it all out there. Well, I mean, so, like, right here, you know, like, so this the, this is where, like, I really started about, like, Fernando was just kind of a... Uh, is doing some uh, crappy stuff here, you know, like, because uh, I told him twice, you know, about these songs being shared, and that I can't, I can't help it if our school or Atlas leaks. Um, so I get a letter from Doug Mark, okay? and Doug Mark goes on to say, tells me that. Tell us who that is. That's GNR's attorney. Uh, okay. That's the. Thank that's you. their. Yeah, that's their attorney. Um, 
And so he goes on saying, I defrauded his client uh, that I financially hurt him with the release of uh, Hard School. And again, Hard School is the only track mentioned right there. Um, you know, and then, you know, I felt like I still didn't do anything wrong because I, I was truthful with him. I told him about these songs. Uh, so, you know, like, I get a letter saying that I, I have to owe the band $15,000 back. Yeah, right. Um, and that uh, and that they're, they're no longer obligated to fulfill their end of the agreement with me anymore. Which, again, what's our agreement right here was I gave them the music back. They just gave me the refund back. But uh, I explained I was explaining to Doug that, you know, I put a whole lot more work into this, you know, uh, that I at least want to – no, I at least want tickets or something for Vegas, you know, or just, you know, I was trying to get something out of it, you know, like, you know, because they, yeah. they, de- yeah, they definitely didn't want to do no kind of meet and greet. They didn't want, I don't know why, but so that's what I was trying to get out of it. But uh, I was like, you know, just give me some uh, pit tickets for uh, Vegas and I'll be straight, you know. So uh, they got me, uh, they got me VIP tickets for each night in Vegas and they told me they were taking those away. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't really a whole lot of communication with them at that point. Uh, you know, everything just kind of remained quiet. You know, I, I was just ignoring, I ignored the GNR camp. And um, I was going to uh, Wichita to go see the band. Um, Even but, after all of this, you still are going to go support the band that you love and go see them. Yeah, because uh, they added a couple of songs to the set that I haven't seen. Because last time I saw them was in 2017 in uh, Nashville. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I'm going to go see him. Um, I wasn't hiding it either. You know, I definitely put a so – definitely on a social media post. But whenever uh, – a week prior to that, though, Jesse reached out to me again. I go back to Jesse because this dude just has a lot of in- information. You know, he knows a lot of people. But he's asking me, he's like, bro, what happened in North Carolina? I'm, like, I'm not in North Carolina. I don't know. Why? What's going on? He called and explained to me that uh, Fernando came out. And he was asking people, is that Rick over there? Is this Rick over here? You know, really just looking for me. Like he uh, doesn't know what you fucking look like. And I'm like, okay, wow. Uh, he's looking for me. So uh, I reached out to him uh, that that day. I sent him an email and um, I said, hey, I've got word that you were looking for me. I do have tickets to a show coming up in about a week. Uh, you know, we could talk there. Is there a problem? Or what's the deal? You know, I want to make sure, you know, because. Uh, yeah, if they're looking for me, obviously I figured they're going to try to kick me out. So I was trying to let them know that I do have tickets coming, and if it's a waste of my time, I won't come to uh, I won't come to a show. You never once told me not to come. You never once told me I was banned or anything like that. So uh, I make my journey to Wichita, and right when I get there, I got an Uber to the venue, um, and then I I proceed to go get pictures in front of the posters that I see, like I always done in the past, you know. Yeah. And then I get up to the door, I see some familiar faces. Everybody's telling me stories about what happened in in um, North Carolina, the people that were there that Fernando was asking one guy was telling me that Fernando was asking him, pointing at different people asking if that's me and then you know, to let him know once he finds me. Uh, and then another guy that was in line asked me to walk with him for a minute and then he goes on to tell me that hey, I was letting you know that uh He's telling me that he's already spoke with Fernando that they're kicking me out tonight. Uh, and he asked, is there, is there a message you want me to give him to maybe uh, to try to ease the tension a little bit, you know? To, he is offering to kind of talk to him for me, you know, to see if there's anything to be done. Um, 
you know, I'm like, well, if he wants to kick me out, his mind's already set on it, you know, so that's what that's that's if that's the route they want to go, then that's fine. Uh, so uh, the guy who came with me, his name was Corey, I told him, look, anybody, I mean, anybody comes up to me, approaches me at all, just videotape it, videotape it no matter what, you know, if it's a fan or what, just be anybody comes up to me to talk to me and it'll. It looks suspicious. Just, just start videotaping it. So, you know, like I'm in line. I get an email from Doug Mark. That it's called Performance Letter, and he's telling me, "Hey, uh, just to let you know that you're that you're not permitted to watch my clients uh, perform at any venue or whatnot. Um, so, I'm just letting you know to save yourself a trip." So, I get I get this email, and then about 15 minutes later. Gio Gillespie comes walking out, which is like GNR's main security guy, yes. uh, with uh, armed police officers, and they pointed at me. Hey, you come here. Uh, you know, so I'm sitting, there, I'm smiling still. You know, uh, you know, I'm like, what's up, bro? You know, just trying to keep it positive. Uh, you know, and then he's showing me printouts on my Facebook page. He's showing me that Doug Mark letter. And he says, you've already been given this letter. And I'm like, have I really? Well, let me check my email. You know, so I was playing. I'm like, I just got an email 15 minutes ago from a Doug Mark. You know, and I was like, is it this letter? You know, just kind of explained to him, you know, that you guys literally told me 15 minutes ago that I'm not allowed here after I flew here. You know? How um, fucking out of touch with reality do you got to be to think that that's okay? That's well, all I did. You know, so it was obviously like it was an intentional deal from uh, Fernando. You know, I guess that's just his uh, being vengeful or whatnot. You know, uh, I don't know what the deal because this was a different side of uh, Fernando that I've never seen before. You know, like. Yeah, because yeah, he's always been a good guy. Like, he seemed trustworthy. Like, there was a camaraderie there, if not a friendship. He like, was always cool, he, man. Like, he always should have been but... able to talk to him and, like,. Well, what was the aggravating part was uh, his comments on Reddit that he would make about me. Because uh, he, he was doing this whole Reddit thing. He would go and talk to people for extra questions. And I remember him making some comment that me and Rick will cross paths soon. Uh, you know, just talking about he's just going to, you know, that we'll be crossing our paths soon. That we're going to talk, you know, that I'll have to face the music soon pretty much with him. Um you know, I never, and then when when you do cross paths like a pussy, he sends his fucking bodyguard. Yeah, yeah that's all cool, man. Like I just, but the funny part on the video is like, man, you see one cop, he realizes that a buddy of mine is videotaping it, so you see that cop, you know, he has his hand on his gun and he's sitting there trying to like walk his way in front of me, keep blocking every angle he could, you know, uh, you know. And so like Geo, he had to print out my Facebook saying. Uh, because I took a picture in front of the VIP uh, backdrop, which I had VIP tickets anyway. So, uh, you know, I'm entitled to my picture in front of that backdrop because I paid for it. Um, right. Entitled to see the goddamn show. So they told me that I was spawning in their face that I was at the show. And I'm like, okay, that's what you feel. So um, I, told, I asked you, I'm like, well, what about my money, my refund? Because, uh, you know, it was like over $500 spent on this ticket and the trip. And he told me to count my losses. I'm done, and to get out of here. And that if I show my face back here again, that uh, I'll be arrested. So uh, I get off the property. Immediately, I tell my buddy Corey, "I'm like, let's get this video online right now." Uh, so at the time we're uploading it, and then one of these other guys is friends with uh, Fernando, and all them come up. 
he's sitting there like, obviously know what he's doing, you know, he's trying to find out more information. And then uh, a few minutes later, uh, I get it. Even once the video's already online and everything, Fernando starts emailing me, telling me that, Hey, I have proof that you purposely, uh, that you intentionally had this recorded and you, uh, and you instructed to have a shirt online. And I'm like, well, that's not a, that's not a secret, bro. Yeah, I definitely did do that. Yeah, no shit. Um, and then like, so when I was sitting across the street, dude, I was sitting like just on the sidewalk, you know, everybody's going in, I'm just kind of hanging out. They literally had a cop sitting beside me the whole time watching me, making sure I didn't walk on their property. Okay. <laughs> uh, dude, it was like the whole night. Did um, you chat with this guy or anything? No, I just kept, I just took a couple pictures, but, uh, you know, during this whole time, like, you know, I've sent you the emails though, but like, yeah. Nando's, uh, I've seen him. Yeah, sitting there wanting to argue with me the whole time. Uh, I'm outside. Come out and talk to me. You know where the fuck I am. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, and he's sitting there telling me how uh, I brought this on myself. Blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, bro. But and then the one email that was like that was funny that to me was the email I got from the attorneys telling me that because hard school leaked, that's what avoided my contract. And then Fernando emails me saying, you were right. You did inform us about these tracks being shared. These two tracks being shared. Uh, you know, so like, so if he's telling me that I'm right about informing him of everything that I stated that I informed him about, like, what's the big deal here? Why are you guys coming after me with a uh, hard school leaking, you know, or what initiated this? I can't, I can't control if other people have this track. I didn't know telling who Robert Bird is still selling to, you know, because if yeah. I bought copies, there's a there's a chance that others could have bought copies, you know, because he did he did tell me there's others in Texas wanting to buy this stuff, and then even another guy in North Carolina said that uh, Robert offered to sell him some more tracks. Um, so, at what point did the video and the story go viral? That that day. Like the moment I posted the video, uh, I think within a couple hours it had it was uh, over twenty thousand views. Um, who who reached out to you? Because you did a you did it. You had to do a, you did a lot of interviews. I know you talked with Eddie Trump. Uh, I believe that Rolling Stone covered the story. Yeah. So the that, so that was all me. I. I was pretty pissed the way everything went down and I was out to, uh, I guess it was a lot of, I was wanting to make things as hard as possible for a team Brazil. You know what I mean? Like I was, you know, I felt like, yeah. So I'm like, well, I want to make things a little harder for them, you know? So I, I created like this, I wrote out this draft email, you know, kind of just pointed out, laid out some, a few key points. And I just sent it with the link to the video. I just sent it to, Classic Rock Magazine. I sent it to uh, reached out to a bunch of different news media outlets. You know, um, so the ne- the story. You know, because there's two waves of the story that really picked up. You know, the first mm-hmm. wave happened after I got kicked out. So, uh, so after it went after the video went viral and everything like that, I get a, I get served with letters from uh, Universal Music stating that uh, that uh, not. I'm responsible for these 97 tracks. It was going to be up to a hundred something thousand dollars per track. It was going to be almost $14 million for everything altogether. It was, oh, wow. uh, you know, that's what the math was with uh, everything I sent in that letter. So, uh, so I'm still trying to think, you know, like, well, the media bliss kind of died down a little bit, you know, I still, you know, there's other people working on a story here, but so I reached out to TMZ. Uh, 
I made something for TMZ and I sent it to, uh, I sent them the information and they contacted me almost immediately. Um, you know, wanting to get a lot more detail on the story. Um, so I went on to explain to them that, uh, you know, that I sent them all the documents and everything. And then, uh, January 2nd, man, that's when uh, TMZ decided to run a story. And that's where, like, the a lot, it was a bigger media blitz came with it. Uh, and after that happened, um, a buddy of mine uh, told me that he's listening to Eddie Trump's show and that, uh, and that they're talking about me on there. So uh, I, uh, I reached out to Eddie via email, and I, got the, I did get the number to call in. So I called in and I spoke to the guy. Uh, I guess he's still turning out the calls. And I explained to him who I was. They brought me on and I did like this 30 minute interview with it. Uh, again, all this was just to, uh, you know, to, to uh, Fernando put me. So, um, just returning that they were here for him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's you're what. Getting your, you're kind yes. of like getting it out there. So. The, the more eyes that you can put on it, the less bullshit they can really get away with. Yeah. So the moment I went public with it, uh, and when, every time they sent me like any kind of legal document, once I submitted, you know, once they knew the TMZ was kind of involved with it, then I never heard back from them ever again as far as like getting these, uh, about repayment or whatnot. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, I was able to, uh, I got them backed up. They won't, but none of them will even message me at all, which is fine, you know? The less I hear from them, the better. Well, looking back on it now, if, let's say, something happened and you got in touch with Fernando again and all of that, how do you think that situation would go down? Would you be willing to talk to Fernando today if he reached out to you? Yeah, I would accept his apology if he reached out to apologize. I mean, I, to me, it sounds like like if you look at all of the stuff that's that that happened, and like you said, you documented everything. I've seen the documentation. I, I don't understand how the hell this happened. Like how he put together that that you were the one that did this and you're the sole person to blame. Like you took all of the blame uh, and, and just well, because see, he knew your name. Well, here's another thing too. Though, like you had other parties that were, um, that were playing, that were working against me too. You know what I mean? And uh, again, like these parties, I refuse to acknowledge or mention any time before, you know, which Ass still, kissers basically right. That are trying to stir up shit. Yeah. You know, you had a, uh, I guess they work with Team Brazil to take down YouTube videos. They do different things to, you know, to disrupt the fan base. You know what I mean? Uh, and that seems to be uh, that's what I've come to learn too, man. It's just like, what's it? Was there something good going on within this fan base? It's like Team Brazil wants to come in and just mess it up, dude. Like, oh, okay, well the fans enjoy watching these videos on YouTube. Let's just go and just take them. Let's take them all down. Let's. Yeah. I mean, they just anything, anytime to disrupt any kind of the momentum that we have, man, they just take it away from us, you know, um, they give us these, they give us more, they give us too much stupid merchandise, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but like I, I did, uh, I felt like I really did everything I could to help them at, at the time. But once I realized, you know, that 
that this wasn't going to work out in my best interest at all, you know. You know, I was done trying to help him at all, and I didn't really, honestly, I didn't care what leaked or what came out, you know. Now, I'm not saying I'm the one that did it all, you know, but I, I, right. it didn't bother me anymore. It's just, you know, the stuff leaks fine. I don't care, you know, like, because there's too many hands on this. Uh, there's too many hands on this already by the time Fernando got involved that if you would have listened to my first warning uh, 10 days prior to purchasing it, that we would not be here talking about this. Right. Yeah, no one, yeah no one would. Fernando would have been a would have been a hero. He would have stopped this leak from happening, uh, you know. But old boy dropped the ball here, man. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where things went bad with me and him. You know, it's just uh, yeah, you know. But uh, and that's the story. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, all the you know, like the media blitz and all that, dude. That was just you know, I was just playing. I was playing. I was playing back with him. You know, they were. Uh, yeah, I've been accused for all this, you know what I mean? And I made sure to uh, definitely let my voice be heard with it and put the story out there as much as I possibly could. And has anything... But you haven't heard from anybody. Like, there has been no further update ever since. No, not as far as, like, the legal part of it. No, there's nothing, man. There's a... Uh, ever, uh, ever since I turned the story over to TMZ, uh, I haven't heard back from uh, Fernando at all. And uh, you know, I didn't really hear from uh, Bet at all during this whole day. I'm dealt with only uh, Fernando. Um, well, sounds like you Martin. did the right thing then, because God knows what they would have tried to get away with had you. Oh, uh, this Brazilian mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess we can tell what, where we get the Brazilian mafia joke from. Robert Byrd in his podcast, which was during all of this, Robert released. Uh, a two or three part podcast that was nothing but a fuck Rick Dunsford podcast was supposed to be about storage lockers. I was thinking it's a good idea for a podcast. I can't wait to hear it, but it turned out to just be three episodes of fuck Rick Dunsford. (laughs) And, and, uh, so he tells it in his podcast, like, uh, Axl Rose has gotten messed in with the Brazilian mafia. And, and, I remember thinking, wow, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's so funny, though, because, I mean, like, it is a bunch of, uh, I mean, it is all these Brazilians taking over, uh, running things for Axel, man. So. But it's one family. Like, yeah. Every, I mean. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, I don't know, dude. It's just, it's, it's a very, it's very bizarre the way he, this, he has this whole operation ran, you know, but. I don't know, man. The coolest thing I did get from, uh, I did get out of all this was, uh, when I did my taxes for that year, man, uh, (laughs) (laughs) they had to send me like, uh, I guess a 1099 form or whatever. And, uh, it had like the black frog entities on it, you know? So I I took it, man. I just framed it and put it up beside my desk. Like, (laughs) well, folks, next week on the show, uh, we're talking about something else for a change. What? Well, yep. We don't know yet because we haven't chosen the topic. No, but, but we are gonna we are gonna do an update episode on this whole situation come uh, September. Well, if there's anything to update, we have some we have some anticipation that there might be some things happening that we can't talk about yet. But we do not know for a fact that that's the thing. So do want to stress that. But. Uh, if anything new evolves in this story, 
we will let you know here first. Yes. But next week we'll be back with an all-new adventure. We're getting back on the path of uh, hopefully a more happy story with a more happy ending. But we will uh, we'll find out what that's going to be next week. So that's going to do it for this edition of Ban the Real Life Misadventures of Rick Dunsford and Friends. Until next time, I'm Dusty Bones. And I'm Rick. We'll see you next week, folks. Good night.